Green Left Weekly Radio. There's one newspaper that is independent of powerful capitalist interests, and that is Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, ecological sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas that the mainstream media won't. Green Left is a leading source of local, national and international news with analysis, discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us. Good morning. You are listening to Green Left Radio, brought to you by 3CR 855 AM on your dial. And you're joined by me, Chloe, and we've also got Jacob and Jordan in the studio. Good morning. Mm. 3CR is being broadcast on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation, and we respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners, caretakers, and custodians of this land. This land was stolen, taken by brute force, and sovereignty was never ceded. We join in solidarity with First Nations people's struggles for justice. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thanks, Jordan. And we've got a really packed show for you today. Jacob, did you want to give the rundown of what of what of what's going to be on the show? Yeah. So, for um, we'll be going into some headline news at the start of the program, talking about some of the latest developments in Palestine, but. Some of the things that we've got lined up for the program today is um, we've got an interview with two um, activists based in Singapore um, talking about the far-right attacks on trans rights and the influence of specifically of the Christian kind of far-right. Um, there's actually going to be a rally t- um, entitled Say No to Trans Genocide, funded by Christ. Christo-fascists in Singapore. So that's going to be happening at the State Library this Sunday at 4pm. So the interview will kind of give a bit of background to some of the political issues, and I recorded it um, yesterday. And then we'll be talking to Sue Bolton, member of the Socialist Alliance um, National Executive and Marybeck um, Councillor, who recently moved a motion at the Marybeck Council on Palestine. And I guess probably what we'll be discussing, we'll be actually talking a bit more in broader detail about some of the politics of what's happening in Palestine and actually more about, you know, how socialists should be responding to what's happening. Then we'll be speaking to Miles Wilkinson, who is one of the student strikers who protested at the Victorian Parliament House this week. And Miles is one of the key organisers in for School Strike for Climate, who are actually organising a rally today. Yeah, um, yeah. So please tune in to, for all those interviews. But for now, we're going to be discussing one of the top headlines. So you know, over the last four weeks, we have been protesting against Israel's bombing of Gaza, including all the hospitals across Gaza. And the most recent raid was, I think it was Gaza's main hospital called Al Shifa Hospital. Um, on Palestinian Independence Day, November the 15th, Israeli-occupied forces raided Al-Shifa Hospital and the chief doctor stated that they have made the hospital a war zone. And Israel's siege has stopped critical resources, including fuel, food, water and sanitation resources from entering the occupied area. And it's forced health workers to conduct surgery without anaesthetic over the last few weeks. 
Um, and over the last few days, babies in ICU have now been taken off oxygen due to the fuel shortages, and cancer and intensive care patients have been killed after Israel has deliberately bombed cancer and intensive care hospitals. But the Palestinian health workers have actually just continued to to work and save lives and provide care against all, like all of this. I mean, it's very difficult, but people are are dying because of this attack. Um, so yeah, this is a, a really a horrible news story to bring to you this morning. But it, it yeah, it seems to be getting worse for the people of Gaza. Well, I guess a few things to kind of comment on it. I mean, just reading the details about the raid is actually nothing short of horrifying and just a bit of a trigger warning. Mm. Um, you know, basically the Israeli forces basically raided um, the entire hospital and actually strip searched, you know, over 200 people in the hospital, basically interrogating them for, you know, whether they had weapons, etc. Because basically the main justification uh, that Israel has given for raiding this uh, this hospital has been the fa- um, has been this argument that it's a uh, Hamas command center, and of course the United States have actually uh, actually echoed this narrative, but of course they're sort of at pains to say, well, we didn't authorize the raid on the hospital, um, which is you know pretty um, reprehensible in uh, in a lot of ways, mm. and. You know, basically, I think, you know, when you read the scenes of what, what has happened, especially taken in the context of the bombings and, um, you know, the, the intimidation, what Israel has done has, I think, nothing constitutes more than a war crime. Mm. And I think, you know, all the liberal, um, all the, um, the um, all the West needs to call this out as a war crime. In fact, the UN Security Council, um, was so hor, you know, the, the, um, it, it's been so horrifying the events that actually there was an immediate there was an immediate motion put forward by the UN um, Security Council mm. to basically you know demand a, a pause humanitarian uh, pause disgusting um, mm. and then I guess a few other things as well is this is a this is a bit of a, a turning point I think mm. because basically. The Israel, um, the Israeli raid did find weapons, but we don't know whether they, they were actually planted by the Israeli government because the Israel government, the Israeli forces actually control a lot of the narrative that comes out of these, uh, raids. But reading through the ABC, when they, the ABC actually commented on it, and you know, the, we've been very critical of the ABC's coverage on everything that's been happening in Gaza, but even the ABC, you know, made a bit of a comparison saying, is this Israel's weapons of mass destruction moment? Because, you know, basically the commentary from the journalists is what Israel had found was basically nothing. And in fact, doesn't even amount to any evidence, uh, that this, this hospital is used as a, um, used as a, a headquarters. But also I think, even if they did actually find weapons, I think something that has to be said, and I think it's harder to sort of say this, uh, it's harder for, you don't really get this in the sort of more, in the sort of centre of me, but I guess on being on FreeCR, we can sort of say this. But I think that in a, in the context where Palestine is occupied, bombed repeatedly by IDF, they have military checkpoints, etc., um, it actually makes a lot of sense that even a hospital, there will be ordinary Palestinians who would have weapons because actually don't Palestine the question needs to be raised don't Palestinians need have the right to defend themselves 
from an aggressor like um, like the Israeli Defence Force. And I think you know this narrative of of actually falling for uh, of actually believing. Israel's narrative that they have a right to just invade and actually essentially commit genocide yeah. um, because they're under apparent threat is, I think, you know, it just comes off as ludicrous when you uh, when you look at these um, tragic events that are happening right now. Yeah, I think that's absolutely really important to draw attention to, Jacob, because people will look at the fact that, okay, maybe you did find some weapons there and um, use as a support for the Israeli narrative, but... This is not evidence of a command and control center for Hamas in the hospital. You know, um, as you said, it makes perfect sense that there may or may not be weapons, you know, in the hospital when you look at the egregious acts of violence being perpetrated um, to these Palestinians every day. There's no evidence of a command or control center, but what we do see evidence of is harrowing, you know, crimes against humanity. We have hundreds of bodies piling up in the courtyard being eaten by dogs. Um, doctors are issuing children's death certificates before their birth um, certificates. So if there are weapons being found, we really have to, you know, put this into context as as you've done. Yeah. And, Jacob, you mentioned the UN Security Council adopted that resolution for humanitarian pauses in Gaza, but the resolution made no mention of a ceasefire. So it's pretty terrible, actually. Um, The UN chief rejected proposals to create safe zones safe zones in Gaza um, where where are they supposed to go I mean these these pauses are apparently to let civilians and children flee but where actually are they supposed to go to a refugee camp because Israel's bombing refugee camps too um, I also wanted to bring people's attention to a demonstration that is going to be held here in Melbourne on Monday November 20th from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the Levers or Levers Reserve in Parkville. That's being organised by Healthcare Workers for Palestine, standing against genocide. So health workers, unionists will be speaking out against the brutal oppression of the Palestinian people. So join them on November 20th. It marks World Children's Day, uh, where health workers across Victoria, um, the Victor- across the Victorian healthcare unions, um, speak out for a free Palestine. We're going to come back with our first interview for the show, so stay tuned. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. And I would like to introduce this pre-recorded interview that I did um, with two um, two uh, um, trans activists, uh, Carissa and Joyce. And 
This is a discussion about some of the far-right attacks on trans rights in Singapore, and it's also in the context of the fact there's going to be uh, a rally um, organised uh, organised this Sunday, um, which is titled Say No to Trans Genocide, funded by Christo-Fascists in Singapore, and that's going to be happening at the State Library this Sunday at 4pm. So, yeah, I hope listeners uh, enjoy the interview. Um, I thought it was quite a good kind of discussion on, you know, finding out a bit about some of the attacks on trans rights in Singapore, but also some of the broader questions around um, trans um, rights campaigning in Singapore. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And we are joined today by two guests um, um, to, um, to speak about the whole issue of trans rights in Singapore. Basically, trans, trans rights in Singapore are under attack, emboldened by the successes in Florida and Uganda, organised Christo-fascists are ruthlessly pathologizing and criminalising trans individuals worldwide. And in the case of Singapore, this means amending the Mental Care Health um, Mental Health Care and Treatment Act to forcefully institute people for being transgender. Now, we're joined by Carissa, um, who is a community organiser and political theorist who is also happens to be one of the main targets by a number of um, far-right actors in Singapore. And then we're also joined here by Joyce, um, who is an engineer who is concerned about big tech, data security and cyber warfare. And, of course, they've both been involved in this in an ongoing campaign for trans rights in Singapore. Um, so, yeah, good morning, both. Um, good morning, um, Joyce and Cara. Yeah, good morning. Morning, thank you for having us. Yes. <laughs> um, to start off, what can, um, what can you tell us, I guess, about the the attacks on trans rights in Singapore, and also, I guess, the background to you know, I mentioned um, from from your campaign material, you know, this background to the amendment to the Mental Health Care and Treatment Act, um, which in a sense will could play a role in forcibly institutionalizing people for being transgender. So, so yeah, like I mean, uh. Where, where do I begin? Like, uh, yeah, we have, since last year, we have been fighting against the Christian far right, uh, or rather we've discovered that, uh, a certain far right actor who, you know, has been persistently harassing, stalking, and, uh, and doing a whole bunch of things had, uh, sought the assistance of the Christian far right, claiming that, uh, they, they are an ex-trans person, that they are detransitioning. And that we are a, uh, cabal of LGBTQ people who are trying to persecute them and trying, uh, and trying to retaliate against them, uh, you know, for, and accuse them of crimes, uh, just because they are detransitioning. Of course, all of this isn't true. They have committed a whole bunch of crimes on their own accord, and they are now using this as an excuse, you know, to get away, uh, for all of this. So, of course, the Christian far right themselves, they don't necessarily believe what this actor, Mercury Jamie Ellis, says. But, um, you know, it's a story, it, you know, it's one of those, uh, narratives that, uh, you know, they, you know, that they, they are not just willing to pass on, right? They get, they are basically just taking it and running with it. So yeah, uh, Carrie got anything to add on? Of course, I think this is where we get to the background a bit about certain certain matters regarding how the Christian right became got to the point where where it is today, the the amount of strength that it has today, and 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 to preface that, I just want to say that um Christianity and and Christian politics in Singapore has not always started 
out fundamentalist and far right, but this is a much more recent phenomenon. By recent, we mean in the past about 20, 30 years or so. Singapore's history dates back a lot longer than that. And in fact, we have got a very long history, in fact, of non-far right, for that matter, non-right wing forms of Christianity and Christian politics in Singapore. And this actually has to, we have, we have, we have to look back at the originating event of 1987, known as Operation Spectrum, actually, which was carried out by Singapore's internal security department. And as a result of that, which actually was carried, what was, uh, resulted in a series of detentions of about more than 10 um, social activists from certain Catholic social social groups and stuff like that, that had actually resulted on the basis that the government was claiming that these people were engaged in a Marxist conspiracy to take over the state in Singapore, right? So the, the result of that, the consequence of Operation Spectrum was that the politics of like religious politics in Singapore, and in particular with Christianity and Catholicism, has shifted dramatically towards the right and especially towards the far right because the signal that was sent from opposition spectrum is that anything deemed as on the left or too left wing, even though those a lot of those activists were basically moderate progressives, they were not actually even particularly radical in their politics, but that got them detained. So the message that was sent loud and clear, even if the government had not intended for it, was basically if you swing if you swing that direction instead, you're gonna be at risk of being detained. You are gonna be at risk of crossing the red line, the literal red line, right? So what we end up with over the next thirty years, and along uh, around that time, we also had basically nineteen eighty five financial crisis in Singapore, which is Singapore's first post independence financial crisis, which kind of led to the government essentially after that and after the nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety eight Asian financial crisis around the region. The narrative that the Singapore government took away is well, I guess we have weathered this storm. We have genuinely weathered this crisis. This is better than most of our regional neighbours. So let, we have the confidence to kind of change the economy in certain ways, rewrite the rules of the economy, deregulate the banking and finance sector to attract all kinds of money into Singapore, which comes at its own set of costs, right? So when you have that, what you have is a, a couple of confluence of factors where Christianity in Singapore in particular has at that time become more affluent and therefore a lot more middle and upper class rather than its original working class origins in the Singapore context. And that also shifts its politics a lot towards a much more right-wing kind of politics, which is also influenced further by American dark money funding, essentially, which started around that time. With You have many organizations in the US, actually. In fact, Open Democracy documents this $280 million in funding across by, by, by 28 organizations across five continents in the world, right, in dark money. And this is only by the 28 largest organizations, like largest Christian fire organizations in the US. And Singapore is definitely no exception because around then, 1980, you definitely see the, 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 the presidency of Ronald Reagan. And after that, you see a lot of the whole moral majority kind of narrative happen in the US. And that was really starting to get again a foothold in South Korea, in Singapore. And that is really, that was really where the, the birth of the Christian variety in Singapore came about. And that led to another pivotal event where you see in 2009, where actually Singapore's leading feminist organization, uh, and like gender equality organization known as AWARE was almost taken over, almost successfully taken over by a group of Christian far-right leaders from the Church of Our Saviour. In 2009, this was called the AWARE Saga. And it was only until you had hundreds of people show up to basically block that takeover after they had successfully taken over that, it, that, 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 that the coup attempt basically managed to be stopped within the, within the AWARE organization in Singapore. So that was the, that was one of the high water marks at that time where the Christian fight really demonstrated their strengths and showed that they were not afraid to essentially take over even our 
even our civil society organizations so that they can impose their agenda and so that they can push back on certain things. Which then now leads us to the basically what happens in the next decade, right? Because in 2011, essentially, Singapore had a general election, which if you look at it in any other country, that would otherwise be seen as a non-event, right? Singapore's ruling party lost five additional seats in the general election. That was essentially, in any other country, that would be a landslide victory, right? But in the Singapore context, it was seen as a watershed election. And this came on the backs of essentially the global financial crisis, 2008-2009. You have millions of people around the world whose entire retirement savings accounts were basically wiped out, right? And in Singapore, a lot of questions after that were being raised about where has that money gone for a lot of ordinary working class Singaporeans, especially in the aftermath of the global financial crisis in the aftermath of a lot of the financialization that came after Singapore decided, hey, let's deregulate the banking sector after um after the Asian financial crisis, right? So that led to you you had you had a number of people who were raising a lot of questions in that area when it came to the financial state of Singapore, and in particular when we talked about retirement savings. Where when it came to because Singapore has a compulsory retirement savings scheme known as the Central Provident Fund, which then led to another development in, 20, in, in, in 2012, 2013, which was basically the, in, again, this goes, goes back to the Internal Security Department. So a lot of the, a lot of the developments we see today actually boil down to, actually boil down to one very, one, one very simple fact, which is that if you look at Singapore, I mean, Singapore is the subject of a lot of difference in opinion on many matters of governance today because of its different, distinct characteristics compared to most nation states. But that's not really what we're looking at. We're, we're not really looking at opinions about Singapore because people have all kinds of opinions about Singapore. But what we're going to look at is three material facts about contemporary Singapore that nobody can dispute. First of all, Singapore is a very small land area, very small total land area compared to most countries. Definitely a lot smaller than Australia. Secondly, Singapore is a very high population density in this residing in this very small land area. And thirdly, compared to most countries in the world, Singapore is highly governable. And the consequence of this is that because Singapore's institutions, public institutions, have a lot more institutional capacity to govern, that also means that whatever decisions it does make has much more significant repercussions at a much faster rate. And in the context of Singapore, right, these three material facts about contemporary Singapore inform the much closer coupling in Singapore between national security policy and political economic policy in terms of navigating how to best govern Singapore. And in the context of Singapore, again, small independent sovereign states like Singapore do not last all that long in the world. You don't see a lot of other countries like Singapore for very obvious reasons, and especially not with our location, if we are not adequately defended both against internal and external threats to our national security. And Singapore's location makes this even more crucial because you have many other great powers, you have many other foreign influences that I want to come that, that that have their own vested interests in wanting to stick a finger to the pie because Singapore's a very attractive location for many countries, obviously, right? So that creates a situation whereby that it is going to be very challenging for any government, much more the Singapore government, to make a, to find a sustainable balance between our domestic political economy and structuring that and positioning that within the regional and global political economy and figuring out how at the same time to defend and uphold our national security. Right. So when these when when these choices obviously at some point result in there are some strains in these choices, there is some the balance is strained at, at some level you are going to run into a situation where people will notice the problems that result from the gov for, for, from governance not always getting it right. And some people are going to speak up about it, such as with the matter of retirement savings, such as with the matter of various other things. And when, 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 when that happens, Singapore's, the, the Singapore state essentially is presented with two answers to this problem. 
either you can choose to fix the real problems underlying it, or you can choose to fix up the people who are exposing these problems by treating the people as the real problems instead. And essentially, this is the background of the current situation, dating all the way back from 1987, dating all the way back from 2013, and laying essentially the back the 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 the, the backstory behind how we have come to a point where you have one individual known as Mercury Jamie Ellis, who is a serial far right adversary. At, assisted by multiple other far right actors, both within the state, such as the inter, such as within the internal security department, as well as within non-state actors, such as the Christian far right within certain mega churches in Singapore, and that is actually how we are, we 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 get to the point where we are in 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 Singapore today, where Singapore, a country that's reputed for our law and order reputation, for our stability, our political stability, for our economic success, is at a crossroads where we find that we are not so sure if we know how to deal with any of this at all. Well, um. I guess that you've kind of gone in, you've kind of given, I guess, a bit of the kind of, the whole kind of background to this, um, this kind of, atta- um, the attacks on trans rights in Singapore. Um, you also kind of went a bit more in, um, went into, I guess, the next question I was, um, going to ask, which is, I guess, talking a bit, a bit more about the role, I guess, of the Christian far right. Um, but I guess my understanding is in terms of the, the Christian far right within Singapore, um, you're saying um, there's been there's been this you know this deliberate attempt to persecute you know you know victims of these of the trans rights and I guess I want to kind of hear um potentially if um if Harvey wants to kind of speak about that you know what is the sort of background to this sort of persecution by the by the Christian far right? I guess I will I I will I will share a bit about this given that Harvey has also requested for that. So essentially, the background in Singapore is that I think after what I've mentioned, right. The Singapore Christian far right has been active for many years in trying to basically push for certain legislative changes, push for certain regulatory changes, to basically push certain agendas against things like comprehensive sex education, against things like gender equality, and especially against things like queer and trans rights. In Singapore, queer and trans access to resources, queer and trans access to housing, healthcare, education, and all kinds of other things in Singapore, right? So that's something that actually has been ongoing for years. But what changed, especially when it comes to, where, 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 when you come to the introduction of an actor like Mercury Jamie Ellis, is that the Christian Farrakh finds someone that they are able to use essentially as the centerpiece, as the pivot to their campaign to basically suggest that queer and trans people are dangerous, queer and trans people are actively persecuting this one person who's supposedly trying to detransition and is now claiming to be persecuted by a bunch of, as they will put it, gender extremists, gender ideology extremists, right? That is the, and, and that is what gives them the impetus to want to try to plot a range of subsidiary operations under this larger umbrella of Operation High Tide. Basically, as of this is and, and to, to put it in no unclear terms, this is essentially a foreign influence operation. And in the Singapore context, I mentioned globally, you're talking about 280 million. In Singapore, this is easily 200,000 a year coming through various organizations. And this is something we've actually come to learn about some of the details of this along the way because we have, I mean, Mercury, him, Mercury themselves has been receiving a lot of these information via the relevant actors because Mercury has been used by them essentially as a, as, as a fixer, as a, as essentially someone that is assigned to basically carry out certain attacks, carry out certain attacks on behalf of the Christian Farai on top of the attacks that Mercury has already been carrying out for their own purposes. For example, the murder of one of our friend's grand- grandfathers, actually, for the purpose of trying to get that friend pinned and, and, and falsely accused of murder, right? So this is actually one in a series of many, 
many, many fix-up operations that the Christian father has attempted for the purpose of trying to paint the victims of Mercury as essentially um, dangerous queer and trans people, and so as to justify pushing certain legislation to, fur to further restrict queer and trans people's rights. And in particular, with the with one you mentioned earlier regarding the Mental Health Care and Treatment Act, and actually this was covered in a, in a public letter that I released on the 1st of May this year, during May Day this year, to the, which, I, which I wrote to the President of Singapore at that time, basically, Madam Halima Yaakob, where I've spelled out some of the details about that. But basically, the, the intent actually is basically to amend the Mental Health Care and Treatment Act so that trans people as a demographic Obviously, it will not be referred to as just transgender persons. It will be referred to as, say, persons diagnosed with gender disorder or something like that. You know, who are basically going to be targeted uh, on on the basis that they will be a, that 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 such persons will be a danger to themselves or to others or to society. Right? Because that's the basis for which the mental health care and treatment, and which itself is an unjust legislation, to be clear, is used to actually basically uh, like justify certain kinds of detentions, certain, certain kinds of arrests of people or of, of people on the basis of well mental health concerns. On the basis that they may be a danger to to themselves and others, and to justify essentially holding them within some form of custody until some kind of some form of supervision within an uh, within an approved or designated mental um, health institution in Singapore until they are deemed to be like fit for release essentially. So that 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 in the context of the Christian far right, in the context of trans people in Singapore, the objective they have was was is basically precisely to cause this trans people who come to be to, who, who come to be um detained under the mental health care and treatment act to be placed under that kind of supervision until they detransition that's kind of the objective and you and, and and along with that they also have plans to basically put in place a, a a registry of all the persons in singapore who are either diagnosed with gender dysphoria who are who are suspected to have gender dysphoria in singapore so that actually comes into play there as well. So these, these are obviously things that if you hear them in any other context, on their own, just the descriptions of them, they will sound alarming already. It doesn't help that the Christian fight in Singapore is not very subtle either. And they have a document that basically titles this quite literally and quite explicitly as the Christian solution to the transgender problem. I wonder when's the last time we heard something like this. And I wonder what happened as a result of that. Yes. Well, um. Before I go into kind of like um, the, um, the kind of last question I want to ask, which is a bit more about, you know, the broader campaign and, you know, what you want, you know, people who might be listening to this interview um, can, can do in terms of one, because I know you have a full, um, you have a campaign page um, where you're encouraging um, people to send um, letters to the Singapore con um, consulate. consulate. Um, but I just also want, I have one question that I think would be a bit of interest to our listeners, especially um, especially in Australia, is I guess I want to kind of hear some of your, I guess, some of your perspectives on, because I guess just an observation to make, um, in in the context of Australia, where, where I'm from, um, it is very clear that the far right are using transphobia um, as a, a kind of central issue by which um, they are organising. Um, and I guess I want to, I want to hear your comments, I guess, on some of the, like, um, the kind of international trends, um, about the far right and their, and their attacks on trans rights. And of course, um, you mentioned also well that, I mean, these, um, you know, this, this attempt is also linked to organizations in America who are attempting to influence public policy and legislation in Singapore. 
I mean, I, I, I will start with that and I'll pass the mic to Joyce because I think she has some a lot of experience in this area that can share as well. But what I want to say first and foremost is that the attacks specifically on the trans community and trans rights is merely the tip of the spear. It is very much at the tip of the spear because when you talk about far-right actors and in particular the Christian far-right, but in general other far-right groups as well, for example the alt-right, for example other kinds of secular far-right groups, for example other kinds of religious far-right groups, what you essentially have is trans people are treated as a wedge issue, they're treated as the first community to be targeted because they're treated as the ones that essentially are, have, there is no numerical, the, the, the numerical minority is so insignificant, perceived to be so insignificant that they can get away with doing that electorally, they can get away with doing that politically and not face a lot of backlash. That is the assumption we have. We are not going to let that happen for very obvious reasons, right? But what comes after that, when we talk about fascists and when we talk about fundamentalists, when we talk about far-right actors, it never stops at one marginalized community. It will move on to the next. There will always be a next group. There will always be a next demographic. And at some point, it will, it, it will move on to the broader working class masses in Singapore and in other countries. This is not a Singapore issue only. This is not a trans or queer issue only. This is a global issue. And this is a, an, an issue that will target essentially the rights of everyone. You look at you, you just look at the US with Roe versus Wade and, all the, and, and, the, and, the, and the anti-abortion laws that are trying that have been attempted to be passed in various different different states. You know, you, you see in Ohio, in fact, they they, they they managed to finally pass a bill that 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 blocks off the anti-abortion regulations and the conservatives, the Christian far right there is pushing back against that. They are trying to say, oh no, that referendum, the, the, the results of that referendum was, weren't, weren't legitimate, which is very similar to what they did in 2020 with the, with, with, with the elections there. So you're seeing a lot of these efforts being pushed back already because the issue goes a lot further than just trans rights. The issue goes a lot further into fundamental matters of stuff like, say, reproductive rights, <clears throat> stuff like, say, access to material rights in other areas for all kinds of groups. And in the US context, we talk about that, but that comes in the context of race as well. That comes in the context of class as well. In Singapore, that is no different than the Christian far right in Singapore, in particular, compared to the US. The US has a much more class-diverse Christian far right. Singapore's Christian far right is a lot more heavily upper class. That also comes with its own set of priorities. It also comes with its own set of agendas which is very different from what you see even in the US, although it has basically copied wholesale many of the policy priorities of the US, many of the talking points in the US, right? So that's actually what is going on right now. And I would say that in Singapore, we we, we face a very dangerous push whereby, like I said, because we're a lot more, we're a lot smaller, we're a lot more governable. In the US, if you want to try to actually implement something on the ground, it, it's not it's not going to be very easy for you to uniformly implement it across the whole country. You're going to have differences. You're going to have difficulties implementing, certain, operationalizing certain things. Simply because of the large size, certain things you're just not going to be able to execute in that way. In Singapore, you don't have that challenge. It's a lot faster. The, rever the reverberations are a lot faster. The, the repercussions are a lot faster in Singapore. All right. Well, thanks for that. I guess I want to go into the kind of last kind of question. And then um, following your answer, I'll also promote the, the upcoming rally for our listeners that's happening in Melbourne. Um, yeah. How can, um, I know you have, um, a website, um, which is, I think is, um, called Safety for Singapore. Um, can you tell us about the website and I guess the call to action and also how people, you know, can stand in, in solidarity with, um, the trans community in Singapore? Um, yeah, and how we can oppose um, this, um, what, what's happening. 
I was shipping here by first saying that um the website is actually I I I I actually want to give a shout out to actually our international converts in different parts of the world who have helped us to put together a website because as you can see clearly a lot of us have been fighting this situation on a very day to day basis which is why I keep telling people I am not involved in this in my in any in any activist capacity definitely not in my capacity as an organizer in the work I've do done in various areas before related to this but I'm very much involved in this as an ordinary citizen as an ordinary individual who's being targeted with by, by various far right actors and having to basically this isn't this is basically a matter of life and death for many of us so there's a lot of work we have been doing and so essentially again i want to say i want to reiterate i'm very thankful for the efforts that many different people around the world have shown solidarity to us many converts around the world have shown solidarity to us in this process in the other international actions through coming up with with, with resources coming up with materials to help this to help other people understand the situation a lot more easily so safety for singapore is one of the one such website which has tried to condense the very complex story behind this matter really really and i think that has been very useful so i think with, with, with within the website actually if you read a lot of what's going on there you will get more somewhat more detailed backstory about some of the matters some of the and, and why these are relevant to people around the world as well why these have implications not just for the victims of mercury not just for the queer and trans people in singapore not just for the broader population of singapore but for the region and for the world at large really i think so i think that's really well that's something i just want to preface and say first but uh at this juncture joyce if you have anything to add on please go, feel free to take the mic from me yeah uh I mean, the, well, the site, uh, you know, is just pretty much, uh, like, it, it is quite in depth, uh, and this is a really complicated story because on one, on one hand, you have the Christian far right, as I said before. On the other hand, you have the, uh, like, you have the internal security department as well as, uh, certain parts of Singapore state, uh, who, who, uh, Realize that, hey, they could use a single actor, Mercury Jamie Ellis, to basically, uh, target and silence their political opponents from speaking out. One of, one of these, uh, matters is the Central Provident Fund, which is the, uh, which is Singapore's mandatory, uh, retirement savings scheme. So in, so after budget 2012, uh, uh, opposition politician known as Kenneth Jayaratnam, uh, noticed that there were discrepancies in the, uh, in the data provided by the government. And he started asking questions about, you know, about Singapore's financial reserves, as well as the amount of funds and monies in the Central Provident Fund. Uh, this was a very sensitive topic for the Singapore government. And this is where, you know, uh, like Harvey gets involved. They, they realized that Harvey had uh, had uh, connections to Kenneth Jaratnam's son online, and they re and what they did is that uh, they decided that look, if we can get Harvey to testify falsely against Kenneth Jaratnam, we can diminish uh, his credibility as a person, so uh, and things like that. So they what they did was that they uh, they set Harvey up for bomb hoax she did not commit. And when she was facing uh, interrogation for the, uh, that uh, false bomb hoax, the Internal Security Department stepped in and said, you know, hey, we need to testify against uh, Kenneth Jayaratnam. Harvey refused. And uh, since then, uh, the internal like she has been considered a threat by the Internal Security Department. So, so yeah, point is, you got... You know, uh, you got two different actors who, like the Christian far right and the Singapore state, 
who realize that, you know, who find that, hey, you have one Mercury Jamie Ellis because of their proximity to Harvey, that, you know, uh, that Mercury could be used, you know, to target Harvey and, th- you know, things like that. So the site itself documents all of that. This, unfortunately, this is a very long and very complex situation. So I encourage people to actually, uh, look at the, uh, site itself. So, and, so, and to end it off from me, like, I say that the way to show solidarity, you know, for us, of course, uh, is, you know, for the people who can please attend the rally, uh, and, you know, my hope is that people would, you know, who are the people who have, uh, who are able to, uh, that they can spend time, you know, uh, learning about, you know, Singapore's history and understanding, you know, some of Singapore, like some of the, the politics or some of the, uh, affairs surrounding, uh, Singapore. Because, you know, all of this, uh, as Carrie said before, uh, earlier, all of this is tied. What happens in Singapore because of its position in the world, and uh, you know, not just as a uh, trading hub, but as a financial and tech uh, hub as well. What happens in Singapore affects uh, Southeast Asia uh, regionally and the rest of the world. So yes, uh, a bet like for anyone on uh, on the left having a better understanding of Singapore, uh, you know would be, you know, like, would help, you know, uh, not just us, but uh, it also helps with an understanding of, you know, how Singapore ties into the rest of the world. Singapore mm-hmm. uh, is also complicit in things like, uh, like, uh, what's going on in Myanmar right now, what's happening with Israel and Palestine right now, because of Singapore's relations to Israel as well. So, yeah. Oh. Um, thank you very much um, for for this interview. I think it's been very it's very um, very good. Um, just a reminder to our listeners, um, there'll be a rally organised around this whole issue in Melbourne, um, titled "Say No to Trans Genocide," funded by Christo Fascists in Singapore, and that's going to be happening at four pm at the State Library this Sunday. Um, but yeah, thank. I hope I hope listeners enjoy. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. And I'll also like to thank our guests, um, Joyce and Carissa, for joining us on the program today. Thank you very much. All right. You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. And we're just speaking to Carissa and Joyce from Singapore about the far right attacks on Singapore, um, far right attacks on trans rights in Singapore. And just a bit of a reminder, there's actually going to be a rally organised about this entire issue at 4pm this Sunday at the State Library. So encourage our listeners to, to, get, um, to get down there. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch.
You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. And if listeners have been tuning in for the past 10 minutes, um, you would have realized that we're having a bit of trouble here in the studio actually putting our next uh, guest on air because there's something, we've just had some technical difficulties. So we were going to hear from Sue Bolton, uh, who is a Socialist Alliance member and also was the Mary Beck councillor who recently passed the motion to fly the Palestinian flag and condemn Israel's war crimes and call for immediate ceasefire, uh, lifting of the siege, boycott of companies that profit from occupation. It is one of the strongest motions that has been passed um, in Australia by a local council. Um, but unfortunately, we can't uh, actually put it to ha- air right now, so we're thinking we would play a song while we're trying to get it sorted. Um, and, I, and, and now I'm afraid to even put this song <laughs> on because I'm, I'm afraid that it might not work. So if it doesn't, I'll just have to play something else. But hopefully we can play this song for you. It's by an artist called Checkpoint 303. The song is called Gaza Mixtape EP, and it's taken from Matt Ward's monthly column in Green Left, new, 10 new albums to heal a world at war. There are Jewish people who, so Matt writes that there are Jewish people who support Palestinian human rights as seen in protests and peti- uh, petitions worldwide. One example is the Tel Aviv punks, Gerada, whose new Hebrew language album rails against the Israelis is illegal settlements on Palestinian land. In the song Tear Down the Settlements and, and Sentence Their Leaders, we did play this few a couple of weeks ago. Um, and um, there's a there's another by um, Yotch Ved. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. Lift shits when the elderly Israeli hostage shook the hand of Hamas of a Hamas soldier who released her and wished him peace. The media fettered it as a moment of grace in an ocean of hatred and belligerence. Such coverage is reminiscent of a quote from black rights activist Malcolm X, who once declared, if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. So the same quote graces the liner notes of the new fundraising Gaza mix tape EP, which I hope to play for you today, released by Checkpoint 307 on October 8th. Here on 3CR Green Left Radio, here I go. Amnesty says the blockade is collective punishment of Gaza's population and in clear violation of international law.
violations of Gaza's population and in clear violation of international law. This Sunday, with the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war. Stopping food, electricity, and fuel, and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12 p.m. State Library this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Co-Power gives you better energy. Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Co-Power member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Co-Power today, and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03-9068-6036. A 3CR supporter. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. It's gone there, yep. (laughs) All right, listeners, you are listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. Now, I'm going to to highlight some of the different uh, events that are going to be happening in the Green Left Activist Calendar. So the first event coming up today is there's actually going to be a climate strike, shift the power at 1pm at the Flagstaff Gardens in in the city. Um, And then on Saturday, uh, November the 18th, there's going to be a rally. Northern suburbs call for ceasefire now. March to Peter Khalil's office at 11am Bell Street Reserve, corner of Bell Street and Sydney Road in Coburg. 
Then there'll be another rally, um, Bring Them Here, End the Ban on Refugees Stuck in Indonesia, and they'll be at 2 p.m. at the State Library on Swanson Street. Then there'll be a LASNET open meeting at 2 p.m. at the Catalyst Social Centre, 146 Sydney Road in Coburg. And then on Sunday, November the 19th, there'll be a rally, End the Siege of Gaza, Free Palestine, 12 noon at the State Library. And then, um, and then at 4 p.m. there'll be a rally, Say No to Trans Genocide, funded by Christo Fascists in Singapore, and that will be at 4 p.m. at the State Library. Then actually there's actually a number of events, um, just gotta get, uh, the, uh, there's a number of events actually happening on Monday, November the 20th, but just to give a bit of background, um, Monday, November the 20th is actually World Children's Day, and so there's actually uh, a number of actions that are actually being organised. Um, so the first um, one is there's actually going to be a World Children's Day, I think, protest organised by the Muslim Women's Council. I think that's going to be happening at 12pm in... What Do you know the details of that, Jordan? Oh, yeah. So I think it's um it's happening in in Coburg, but I'll I'll possibly try and get the details of that later. Um, the other protest is there's going to be a trade unionist for Palestine healthcare workers rally, and that's going to be happening at at a park in Parkville. And also, actually, I forgot about another protest. Livers Park. Yeah, Livers Le- 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 Reserve in Parkville. Yep, and I've just got. I'll just go backwards to Friday because one event I forgot to note is there's going to be a Palestine prayer vigil, and that's going to be happening tonight at 6:30 p.m. at the Broadmeadows Town Park. And yeah, now the the rally for on the World Children's Day rally is going to be happening at 12 noon, Coburg Town Hall, 90 Bell Street in um, 90 Bell Street on Coburg, which is basically yeah where the Coburg Town Hall is essentially. Um, and then there's also going to be a public meeting, Trade Unionists for Palestine, at 6pm at the Loading Bay at, at the Trades Hall. Um, I highly recommend uh, this meeting for anyone who, you know, is a member of a trade union and wants to actually build support for Palestine within your within your trade union. I think this would be a very good meeting to to be involved in. And then there'll be a public forum for every child, fully fund public schools at 6pm, and that will be at Roxburgh College and the Autumn at 60 to 70 Donald Cameron Road in Roxburgh Park. And then there'll be a film screening, Makaro, um, at 7pm at the Catalyst Social Centre, 146 Sydney Road. Then there'll be another protest, uh, Defend the Right to Protest, Free the Refugees at 8.30pm at the Heidelberg Magistrates Court at Checker Street in Heidelberg. And then there'll be a film screening at 6pm concerning violence. Um, at, that will be at the new international bookshop. And then, yeah, the, 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 um, the, the, the NAM slash Melbourne Victorian contingent for the People's Blockade of the Newcastle Port will be sort of beginning from Thursday. And, um, and then on the, the whole People's Blockade of the Newcastle Port will be happening in that, on that weekend in Newcastle. And I think, yeah, all of us presenters actually are going to be up there. So just a bit of an announcement for our listeners. We're going to have a bit of a, we'll have a special program next Friday, which will, well, I've got some plans for it, but we will consist of a, of a lot of different pre-recorded content that we have from Green Left. And we also might have some, there's also possibly we might have an interview with, um, uh, a Latin American correspondent from Green Left. So cool. there's, um, yeah, we've got quite, there's some good stuff planned there. Um, then there'll be on Saturday, um, November the 25th, there'll be the Trans Day of Resistance at 1.30pm at the State Library. Then on Sunday, November the 26th, there'll be a rally, End the War on Gaza, Free Palestine, 12 noon at the State Library. 
And then there'll be a fundraiser for Gaza on Wednesday, November the 29th, um, 7pm at the Shreds Hall. And then the last thing is there'll be a series of rallies on Saturday, December the 9th, Housing as a Human Right, 1pm at the State Library, and then Human Rights Day and Fast Track for Refugees, Permanent Reasons for All, 3pm at the State Library. Yeah, so that's sort of the range of a kind of different events that are going to be coming up. Is there any, any events I might have missed, Chloe and Jordan, that... I don't know, but if listeners think we've missed something, please email us. Um, no, I don't know an email to, to actually give you. Or you can contact us on 0484-938-949 and let us know, you know, what we should be adding to the Green Left calendar. You're always welcome to do that. Um, now we are going to go to a quick break and hopefully we can come back with an interview from Miles Wilkinson, who's a, a student striker with School Strikes for Climate, um, promoting the rally that's happening today, um, the school strike happening today at 1pm. So stay tuned for that here on Green Left Radio on 3CR. Rising Tide invites you to join the People's Blockade of the world's largest coal port from November 24 to 27 at Mullabimba, Newcastle. One percent of global emissions are from coal shipped through the port. We are in a climate crisis. It can't continue. Thousands of people will gather to demand no new coal and an end to coal exports by 2030 and alternative secure jobs for coal workers. Get on the water or chill out on the beach with live music and more. Register your interest at risingtide.org.au forward slash blockade and we'll get in touch with you. Rising Tide is a 3CR supporter. You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR and we have joining us Miles Wilkinson, who is a student striker who is protested, protesting by actioning the government on the climate and for a future that he feels is at risk, or we all feel is at risk. Miles is a key organiser in the youth activist group, the um, School Strike for Climate Change, and he's organising the rally today. Welcome to the show, Miles. Hi, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me. It's a really exciting day for um, me as a student because we get to use our voices to stand up for our futures because people in government are not doing that at the moment, as yeah. I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, definitely. And just to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about the civil disobedience <laughs> climate action that you were a part of on Tuesday at Victorian Parliament House? Yeah, for sure. So this Tuesday, um, a couple of fellow school strikers and I went to the state parliament and unfurled three banners in the lower house with the slogans School Strike for Climate, Flagstaff Gardens, November 17, 1pm, which is the time and place of our strike today, and New Coal and Gas Kills Us. And then we sang a little song um, which asked the government which side are they on, um, the fossil fuel industry or the people that they are elected to protect. Um, and we were put out by police. Yeah, so... How many police the, How many police um, escorted you out? Well, there was the, the initial police that came in to pull us out. Um, there were about, like, 
five-ish of them, I think. And then um, they called up a whole unit to come and have a stern talk with us. Um, but we weren't actually legally obliged to talk to them, so we were allowed to just walk out. Um, but, yeah, they, they had about 20 police on the steps of Parliament to make sure that we didn't get back in, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering why, it, you know, it, so many cops just to take th- uh, four, it were four students. Um, yeah, four students with pieces of fabric. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a intimidation measure. Mm. Um, it's a tactic that the police are using because, um, or, or the, the government, because they don't want our voices to be heard about this issue. They want to silence us. Um, they know that us youth, we're the faces of the people that they're putting in danger. The, we're the people that they're giving a future that isn't safe, a future that will have climate catastrophe um, and will have a quality of life on average that is so much poorer than what they get because they're legislating a future for us that it, that that is that, that is a climate crisis um, yeah. and they don't want us to talk out about that so they're trying to scare us with a whole unit of police um, but this just shows that what we're doing is making a difference, um, that they're willing to go to those measures. That's right. And we've heard in the news recently, Miles, a lot of criticism, well, su- there's support as well, but there is some criticism of students protesting and walking out of classrooms. There's another strike being planned on November 23rd when students will walk out in solidarity with Palestine. Uh, so why is it so important that students use their voice and protest on issues that they care about? So there's numerous reasons why this is so important. Um, it is so important that everyone speaks out about issues that are meaningful and impactful to them and um, and go against their values as people because we need to... We need to stand up for issues we care about, or otherwise you're not being true to yourself. Um, but also, it's the only way we're going to make a change. It's the only way we're going to make these issues... Um, we're going to get solutions to these issues is by talking out. Um, because the government has made it clear time and time again that the issues of the climate crisis and um, also the genocide that's happening um, to the people of Palestine are not issues that they're willing to confront um, in a meaningful way. Uh, Certainly, yeah, there's not. Um, And these issues also impact students a whole lot. And students and the youth, um, most of them can't vote. So they can't they don't have that power to elect people that they think are going to do something about them. But with the climate crisis, we're being affected 
affected the most. Um, and in Gaza right now, a child dies every 10 minutes. Um, and we should be able to stand up for, for the youth. The youth should get to stand up for the youth. And, um, everyone should roll up their sleeves and start taking action on these issues instead of watching from the sidelines. And that's what students are doing on these days, on these strikes. Um, and I think we should see more of it. Yeah, definitely, Miles. And can you tell us about the strike that's happening today across the country and the details of the strike here in Nam? Yeah, okay. So it is a national call to action. Um, multiple cities are going on strike, um, students going on strike um, and leaving school to demand action from the government, demand that there is immediate stop of new coal and gas, that no more projects be approved, that by 2030 there is this is a net zero economy and um, I'd say transition and First Nations-led solutions for this climate crisis. And um, in Melbourne, we will be meeting at Flagstaff Gardens at 1pm um, and we'll be marching from there to the state labour office we'll, where we'll make some speeches and make some disruptions and yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be using our voices and we're gonna get action from the government. Not just from this one strike, but this strike is where it needs to start. Um, and where we need to make commitments to try and pressure the government because this is a movement that won't, um, get this solution tonight or today, but we need to keep fighting. Um, yeah. And everyone is welcome to come and fight with us, not just students um, who were unfairly given this huge crisis by the people in power that um, have been approving coal and gas projects for, for decades now when being told not to by, um, by scientists, by all the warnings. Um, so we, we need everyone's help. Yeah, definitely. We all we all we all have a part to play in building the climate movement. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Green Left on 3CR Miles. Yeah, uh, just before thank you, you Chloe. Yeah, thanks. And before you go, would you like to introduce the song that you requested that we play? The song that you actually sang in parliament. Would you like to just let yeah. listeners know the, you know, the meaning of the song and um yeah, and we'll play it for you. So this song is is a variation of Which Side Are You On, which is a very old um, union song um, about about basically um, civil disobedience and um, and getting action from the people in power who aren't um, who aren't doing enough. So this is about um, this variation is about the climate crisis and it's about the government um, on the side of fossil fuels when they should be on the side of the people and the youth great thanks miles and we hope listeners enjoy which side are you on 
Uh, thanks, Miles. Um, and we'll see thanks, you at Chloe. the strike today at 1 yeah. p.m. See you all there. See ya. 1 p.m. November 7th. No, 1 p.m. today. Flagstaff Gardens. Great. Thank you. Bye. listening to Green Left Radio and you were just listening to a climate justice song called Which Side Are You On? adapted from Pete Seeger. All right. So I want to start a bit of discussion. This is drawing on a feature article for Green Left titled um, Australia's is Deeply Complicit in Gaza's in Gaza Genocide. And this article has been written up by Peter Boyle, and I won't be able to go into sort of every little detail about the article, but I wanted to kind of make a few kind of political points and we can sort of um, have a bit of a kind of uh, a bit of a discussion around it. But basically what there has been a number of recent sort of um, basically declassified Australia published uh, an article uh, by investigative journalist Peter Cronall on November 3rd, which revealed that the Pine Gap US surveillance base based near Alice Springs is collecting an enormous range of communications and electronic uh, intelligence from the brutal Gaza Israel battlefield. And of course, what's quite What's quite horrible about all this is that the data that they're collecting is actually being provided to the Israel Defence Forces. And there's also questions, you know, being raised about is, is, is the Australian government actually playing uh, a role in, um, in supporting weapons export, military exports to, to Israel? Now, for example, the state government in Victoria actually provides quite a good amount of state money to Albert Systems. And, of course, the justification they give is always the same justification they give, which is it creates jobs. And I guess one of the other things as well is there has actually been no transparency about, like, I can't even sort of say for a fact that um, that Australia is providing military exports uh, to Israel because the Australian government is not is not being transparent about the actual yeah. information. And in fact, Green Senator David Shoebridge, um, 
um, you know, told that the government um, actually approved 350 defence export permits to Israel in the past five years, including 50 uh, this year. Now, the thing is, it's um, the government. What the government is not being transparent about in this case is they're actually not revealing how these exports are being used by the Israeli military. In fact, the Australian government wants to sort of almost play this face that they're not. We're not actually complicit in the war crimes. We're just providing military exports for Israel's defense. That's what a lot of the US imperialist, the Western sort of imperialists like to say. They use this kind of function of, um, oh yeah, well, you know, you know, if you, if you're against, we're, we're not, we're not for, we're not for warmongering. We're, we're, um, when you're, when we're putting money into military, it's actually for defense. It's, 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 it's to defend our sovereignty. It's to defend our, our interests. And one other thing as well is, um, and I think just for our listeners, I really recommend looking at Green Left and checking out the article Australia is deeply complicit in Gaza's genocide because you know, there's just a lot of good information there. By Peter Boyle. By Peter Boyle. I also really recommend reading Anthony Lewinstein's book, The Palestine Laboratory, which actually goes into a lot of information about the stuff. In fact, we played an interview with him actually before the outbreak of of this um of this um You interviewed him. Yeah, yeah, I interview yeah. yeah, we um and, um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll probably be playing another interview that we produced with him, uh, next Friday, um, to go a bit more in kind of detail. But I guess just one, uh, a kind of point I just want to also want to point out is, um, so David Shoebridge questioned Penny Wong about this whole question around military exports, um, to Israel and the lack of transparency. And the response that Penny Wong gave was basically, well, how dare you ask me that question? How dare you politicize um this issue or, or like it's disgraceful that you would you know try to politically point score over this um i mean that's just paraphrasing not the exact quote but that was sort of along the, the lines of the kind of response that um penny one gave to actually being asked this sort of reasonable question and of course in the state parliament i think jacinta Ireland gave a similar response to green's um mp gabriella uh, da vinci about you know this question of um the state government's relationship with with Elbert Systems, like you know, this is you're, you're playing politics, etc. I mean, it's always quite convenient when you're challenging the government on something that you think is very questionable. You get accused of playing politics. Well, I mean, isn't the point of being in Parliament to discuss and debate politics and actually challenge people when you think they're politically doing things you don't think are very good? Um, so yeah, and then, yeah, that's, um, that's, I, I just recommend, recommend that, um, listeners, um, um, listeners read that article, which we can get, um, which you can read on Green Left. Yeah, we'll just go to a quick break and come back with more Green Left Radio. You're listening to 3CR. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza. It's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. 
Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter. Okay, you're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. Now, we're running a bit, um, we're almost finishing up the program, but I just thought I'd give a bit of a quick news report. Now, the, um, um, just a bit of an update on the Accessible Shrams campaign, um, which we've actually previously covered on Green Left Radio. But um, this is reported in Green Left, but campaigners for accessible tram stops on Sydney Road, some of whom in their wheelchairs presented more than 3,000 names on a petition to Victorian Greens MP Tim Reid on November the 15th. Um, the campaign is calling on Labor to fill its human rights obligations to extort accessible tram stops along Sydney Road before the construction of a second section of SkyRail level crossing moves on the upfall line. Only 15% of tram stops are fully accessible. Um, so yeah, this campaign, I think really, uh, I think it's kind of an important sort of campaign. And I think it's very good that, you know, the campaign has managed to get more than 3,000 names. Um, on a petition in, in support, and I think you know we can hope we hope that you know this campaign uh, ha- builds on its momentum, um, especially for next year, where we'd hope that the actual the Victorian state government will actually concede to the demands of having accessible tram stops. So yeah, um, well, I'll pass it on to Jordan to talk about um, Green Left. Yeah, thanks. Oh. oh. Yeah, well you know <laughs> Green Green Left. It's a vital social change project and. We we um we aim to make all of our content available online without paywalls. We have no corporate sponsors or advertising, so we we rely on the support and donations of our you know readers and listeners, just like all of you listening right now. For just five dollars a month, you know you can get a Green Left Digital Edition in your inbox each week. For ten dollars a month, you can get that plus a print edition delivered to your door. You can also add a donation um, to show your support by choosing our solidarity option by, and paying $20 a month. Um, yeah. Just touching, just touching on uh, that uh, accessible tram stop campaign, um, what wasn't noted was there was an immense amount of actual Palestinian support um, at that rally as well. And here at 3CR, we've also always been supporters of Palestine. And we've always stood for Palestine. You know, going back to, you know, 1978 when the bulletin accused 3CR of being the voice of terrorism because 3CR, um, <clears throat> 3CR support for the Palestinian position in the Palestinian-Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, there were a series of meetings between 3CR, the Jewish Board of Deputies and the Public Broadcasting Association that took place. 
3CR wasn't prepared to give in to the demands of the Jewish Board of Deputies. They initiated a full tribunal hearing about 3CR's coverage of the issue. And during two weeks of a Fight Back campaign in November, about a 1,000 listeners, um, listener sponsors helped distribute nearly 500,000 leaflets through the Melbourne metropolitan area, supporting and outlining 3CR's views. Um, in the mid-1990s, the station was actually infiltrated by um, undercover Victorian uh, members of the Victorian police who pretended to be volunteers to gather this information. Yeah, we, we hope we um, see some some of the listeners, well, you know, I, I reckon a lot of our listeners would be at the coming to all the demonstrations, particularly the mass the mass demonstrations on every Sunday. Um, we're going to be marching in the streets of Melbourne until ceasefire, um, and we're, we've got a lot of demands to. For, we are calling on the Australian government to call for for Israel um, uh, ceasefire and to stop the occupation, uh, to stop the to to lift the siege on Gaza. Um, these people have nowhere to go. Um, I just don't know what apartheid Israel. Um, expects, you know, do you expect Palestinians to just jump into the sea? They they have absolutely nowhere to go, and where, why should they leave? That is their home. Um, we are sorry that we couldn't bring you that interview by Sue Bolton about the Mary Beck um, Palestine motion, but we might have her back on the show next week, and we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Thank you to all our guests, the school strike um, the school climate striker Miles Wilsonson, um, and also the uh, Sorry, Jacob, I've forgotten the... Um, yeah, Carissa and Joyce um, that were interviewed about the far-right attacks on trans rights in Singapore. Thank you for um, being part of Green Left Radio. And, yeah, please, yeah, is there anything else that you, you want to add, Jacob, before we, we head off? Yeah, we'll see you at the climate strike. And the Palestine today. rally at 12 o'clock this Sunday. Oh, yeah, and we've also got... Did you mention the Coburg rally as well? Yeah, yeah, 11 a.m. Yeah. Bill was there. Yeah. But, yeah, lots well, of lots, actions happening. There's lots of different actions happening. And, you know, try to get to your nearest one. Support your, support your local community. Um, check Green Left, um, the Green Left website uh, events page to find out about all the upcoming events on Palestine and other events as well. So, and stay tuned for Left After Breakfast. Thanks, everyone. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio, brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit. If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call 1-800-634-206. Arise you workers from your slumbers, arise you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and at last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions, serve all masses, arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back, reds underneath your beds and that crap.